0: of leads us into Facebook there, doesn't it? it Because that was like the world's largest psychological experiment where no one gave their consent except to, yeah, I get if I give you my pictures of me with a mullet in 1988, yes, that'll be up publicly. But I don't think anybody understood that there was going to be research done on our moods based on their newsfeed and, I don't think any of us knew that there were going to be hostile foreign intelligence services climbing right in through Facebook. Almost as part of its it's design mm-hmm. to mess with people's minds, uh split up electorates, get neighbors hating each other, get family members fighting and studying it and refining it. I mean, it's a mind machine, to use a term that a I think
1: uh, machine, Steve Bannon yes. came up with, but you know, it was a mind machine and it's everybody it basically distorted our thinking for for many many years i did a bunch of um, articles back in 2017 you can find them on the narrative.org blog which basically explained how all of this may have happened a lot of this based on extrapolating from the facts of the time and Some looked at the way they were seeding messages into the the economy, especially those fear-based messages. Others looked at how Vladimir Putin was behind using Facebook as a way to organize groups and uh, Black Lives Matter groups, all those kinds of uh, groups. Then we looked at the psychological warfare, the actual Cambridge Analytica piece of this that was sitting there at their uh, social media headquarters, um, not only targeting messages to people, but fundraising 96 million, I think, $96 million or something for that campaign, all came out of Facebook. You know, people forget Facebook was a big fundraiser. Then we found out that, Hey, and that, for,
0: that was for what? That was for, for the Trump for... campaign.
1: The Trump campaign.
0: Most of the funds how much, how much money was
1: $6 million? Dollars. All of it, which I think actually, wow. I detail in a later story came out of Saudi Arabia and, and a bunch of other places in micropayments, but I digress. Um, that's could be, <laughs> that's going to take a full show. And then we found out that, Hey, the uh, dirty little secret of Zuckerberg is his connection to Yuri Milner, how he got right. that, that funding without, you know, Russia gave him this enormous check, but never asked for a seat on the board, um, which <laughs> is not what people do. They didn't need one. Yeah. <laughs> and so Russia basically became a enormous, enormous investor in Facebook. And so it's not surprising then that these are four people, well, maybe surprising to you, but it won't be surprising by the time we finish the segment, that these four people were the longest connected people to Facebook that we know of. And you know, Peter Thiel, of course we know Peter Thiel. He's the funder of Facebook, but also uh, the founder of Founders Fund. This is one of his funds. He does Palantir. He does Mm -hmm. a lot of other things, but originally from the PayPal mafia, which we've discussed quite a long on the show. uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. German, roots, but uh, certainly uh, spent some time in Southwest Africa. Today, that's called Namibia, and uh, that's in the mining industry there, so very tied to the South African mafia, if you'd like that. Uh, then there's Cheryl uh, Sandberg, who until yesterday was the chief operating officer. I'm sure she still is. She hasn't quite given up her reins yet, but she announced her intention to resign because she wants to look at philanthropic interests that she has. Apparently, that's ah. wants to focus on her foundation. Ladies and gentlemen, lean into that foundation. Mark Zuckerberg is the brilliant, suppose, brilliant person who came up with Facebook back in Harvard, and Larry Summers is the former Secretary of the Treasury. The
0: Treasury, yes, yeah, and a former. And Harvard. Sheryl Sandberg used to be his chief of staff, and I heard that they had more of an intimate relationship than that. But I don't really care. It's quite possible, yeah. It's quite possible that they had more than you know. She he was her mentor
1: when she was at Harvard, and that's when when she published her. Uh, her dissertation, or whatever it was that she did there, uh, it was her, under his tutelage. So you know, he was the guy who spent a lot of time with her, helping her through those, uh, you know, coming up with that. And so they became very close. I mean, it's no, it's no secret the two of them were quite close. They uh, not only did she do uh, finish her MBA under him, Summers was then appointed as Clint, Bill Clinton's Treasury Secretary, and and also spent some time in D.C. before that, and she followed him there. She did not follow her own other interests. She decided to go along with him to the Treasury Secretary, where she became his chief of staff in 1999.
0: Now, that's an interesting time period because that's when you had the Commodities Modernization Act where you have derivatives, where this Summers guy convinces Bill Clinton Oh no, yeah, it seems like it's insurance on other financial bets, like a casino sitting on a casino. If you have insurance for things, you have to have capital controls right, for like right. you know, your insurance company is 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 regulated by the state in every state. We have fifty different insurance commissions and they go and check up on you to make sure that if bad things happen, that you will get paid out because they have capital. And they have these things called derivatives like credit default swaps and that kind of thing that ended up blowing up the US economy in 2008, and Summers, and apparently his chief of staff there was Sheryl Sandberg. I did not know that she was uh, there in that period of time where they convinced Clinton to not regulate derivatives. They also got rid of the Glass-Steagall Act, Mm -hmm. which had guided the American economy. Uh, You know, the worst impulses of capitalism while keeping, you know, the most entrepreneurs can flourish without it going into like, crazy casino land which is what happened in the 1920s of course the crash of, of 29. Um, And in 2008,
1: just a few years after that, when he was the secretary of the treasury, they hadn't that crash that led into 2008, and when Obama had to take over, just at that exact moment, everything crashed because these, not these, not necessarily Shanbrook directly, but under Summers, and she was his chief of staff, they eliminated a lot of these policies that were helping protect the American economy, you know, which when they were taken away, obviously taken advantage of. And then, boom, we had the crash in 2008 leading into 2009. Yeah. Not great for Barack Obama, but you know he was a great leader and was able to get himself out of that. So, and the story, you would think, well, that's an amazing story right there. We could just stop right there. That's the origin story of Cheryl Sandberg would be enough to say that's a big headline right there. But of course, what happens next is even bigger because I think it's in around 2003, so there is this little Epstein scandal that starts popping up and that Larry Summers is somehow connected to that, I think. He's not connected to that yet, but at least he leaves the White House and takes up a position as the president of Harvard. And now the Epstein stuff is going on in the background and we know that Larry Summers and Epstein would land up having sort of an interesting financial relationship as it was related to lots of donations to Harvard, which is something just to keep in the back of your mind when you think about his allegiances to people.
0: Because- Interesting. Right. Yeah. So guess
1: what? We still haven't had Facebook yet. Facebook hasn't even really started yet. Facebook only pops up in Larry Summers' world in, I think, 2004.
0: Very early.
1: Yeah. He's the president of Harvard. He's finished already. He's done the secretary of the treasury for Bill Clinton. Sheryl Sandberg, is she still with him at Harvard? I don't know if she goes back to Harvard, but there he is in 2004, and uh, he has to adjudicate about whether it's the Winklevoss brothers or Mark Zuckerberg, if you remember the movie, who get to have the concept of Facebook, because he's the guy who actually makes that determination, because it's his university. university. Yeah. How did he get to make that determination? Because it, it was it happening under his campus, in his campus, so he's influencing the process. I don't know if he made the actual final determination, but I mean, It said,
0: went before a judge, right? Much later,
1: settle? much later it went before a judge, but I think back then it was just sort of, oh, yeah, you can, you can pursue it or whatever. I don't remember the exact movie, but someone has to correct. And maybe watch it, and we can re- review that in great detail. But you hmm. know, so he's intimately then involved in all of all this Facebook stuff, right? It's kind of like, oh yeah, I know this Facebook concept, and I might know somebody who could be the C.O.O. of that company because I used to tutelage her during her M.B.A., and I also was she was my chief of staff, and yada yada. But, so the official story way
0: back in. Then- Way back in the day, though, that was literally just a way to assemble the identity of hot chicks around campus. That was the... yeah. So it would be weird to have a, a man of such influence fiddling around with that, you know, unless Facebook's origin story isn't maybe what we've been told. Well, there was a big fight, right? According to
1: the Winklevoss brothers, Mark Zuckerberg stole the concept from them and then started his own. He was working for them as a program, and then he stole the concept and then developed it on his own. Seems like that's the story, but was it, was it a theft or was it just a, I was doing my work on the side? Who knows what that is? But it does make you wonder about Summers, who was quite an influential guy, even as the Treasury Secretary, and also having an opinion on which one of those two parties should take Facebook. Hmm. The official story that they tell the world is that Sheryl Sandberg met Mark Zuckerberg at a cocktail party somewhere, I think it was in D.C., maybe it was Summer's place, who knows? But they had a cocktail party much, much later. We're talking about, you know, whenever she joined, she was there for eight years, I think, so I'm not sure. Maybe longer. But the official story has to do with them having a cocktail party introduction, and he loved her so much, Couldn't, couldn't resist hiring her, and then boom, she became the COO. It strikes me as being a little inauthentic, considering all the way back to, what, 1995? She knew uh, Summers and was probably aware of all sorts of things related to Facebook all the way through, considering some people say she may have had some sort of um, intimate relationship with her, certainly close relationship beyond.
0: But that's a time period when they both knew Jeffrey Epstein, maybe? Well, Jeffrey Epstein didn't after it came in the 2000s. So that's where that
1: sort of broke, yeah. So,
0: yeah, but he was floating around in the 90s, certainly. It's true. It's true. Um, well, look, Larry Hill Clinton in the White House, Jeffrey Epstein visited the White House like 17 times, I right. believe, officially. Right. right. Sounds like, you know, he might have uh, maybe met. Didn't we kind of decide that Jeffrey Epstein was Israeli intelligence? I am alone in the world to say this out publicly all
1: the time, but he's definitely an Israeli uh asset and uh, and so is Ghislaine Maxwell also did work because oh,
0: Robert Maxwell yeah. who died uh, in weird circumstances in 91 mm-hmm. is buried in Israel right yeah yeah
1: yeah and clearly was look Robert Maxwell worked for a lot of people he worked for the KGB he worked for the MI6 he was sort of a he you know ties back to our earlier story he worked for the Queen uh on a bunch of things as you know Andrew we mentioned already worked for Epstein so there's a whole connectivity there yeah. You know, there's a lot going on in that connection as well. So it's not surprising that Larry Summers might have known Epstein. He, he probably did early in that early stage because, you know, ultimately, Epstein was there to basically keep Clinton in line. He was designed to keep Clinton in line. And that's why he was sent into the United States to sort of to basically monitor the Clintons where Epstein was or <laughs> Summers was Ep- <laughs> Epstein was um, Ari Bemnashi told me that Epstein. His main role was to ensure that Clinton wouldn't be too far left, especially in Middle East policy related to the
0: Palestinians. Oh. Yeah. So there was like an Israeli concern about making sure Bill Clinton was under certain type of control. Yeah. Cut to the blue dress. Who who told you that again? Ari bin Manashi, former.
1: it's a senior executive at the Israeli military intelligence regulatory thing. It's called Omad, but it's kind of complicated. So he was just a senior spy. He was also Robert Maxwell's handler during the Iran-Contra. Affair. <laughs> oh, you met him in person, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I met him all the way in Montreal. Very uh, interesting guy. Um, certainly very frank about his view of the world and uh he was the one who told me that Epstein worked for the Israelis. He also told me that Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell met way back in the eighties, and not in the nineties, as other people have reported, and that they met while he was doing the Iran Contra affair. So, all I can say is that's what he said. That's what he told me. So. You know, that all ties into the same period of time. Then, you know, if you follow that on to, well, let's go to the, let's go to, uh, the Clinton administration when Robert Maxwell dies and then Ghislaine Maxwell moves to the United States into the arms of her new lover, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, even though he wasn't really a new lover, they become a partnership and they start corrupting American politicians, including Bill Clinton. At least that's of theory, we don't know for sure that that's what happened, but that's the theory.
0: We know that the trafficking, the dates of, of her prosecution, the, the dates of the uh, offending acts start in 1994. Mm-hmm. Right. so prime clinton years so, so summers would have been there at that
1: time guess who else would have been there probably cheryl sandberg might have been around at the time
0: oh yeah she was, was there. The she was the chief group? of staff she was the chief of staff of the treasury secretary at the time now d- doesn't she have some uh pretty heavy like israeli intelligence ties of her own well, she has family ties, and this is,
1: I wish I had the full details here. I was trying to get all before the show, and I might have to do this part two of this tomorrow night, but there's a, she has family ties to, uh, her, her father and her mother came out of, uh, they lived in in Florida, and I think that they were supporters or friends with Natan Sharansky. And Natan Sharansky, if I remember correctly, is a famous uh, Russian dissident who basically stood up against the Soviets and was one of the initial um, people who came to United States under the uh, Refusenik movement. But there's much more to that even, which I already mentioned.
0: The Refuseniks is when we had a substantial population emigrate from Russia to three countries, Israel, the United States, particularly Brighton Beach and Canada. And when they got to Brighton Beach, a lot of those guys ended up rolling the Cosa Nostra. And uh, wasn't that program in Israel under Menachem Begin, who was Likud? prior to Not, yeah, that not only that. You want, you, know, you want to know what's more interesting,
1: well, not more interesting, and even yeah even as interesting is- <laughs> Is there anything is, more interesting <laughs> than what we just laid out? Robert Maxwell was the guy who basically convinced everybody to do the Refusenik thing. He was like big champion of the Refusenik thing. He was close to Gorbachev. He was the reason that that, was all, that all took place. And there was another Israeli cell inside the Reagan White House that helped make
0: that happen. That's and same. there's a lot of overlapping between the yeah. Reagan White House and the Trump White House, but mm. not the George H. W. Bush 41 White House. Well, hit. well, check it out. They're oh, very yeah. different. Yeah. Reagan and Bush 41 were very different. But there's wow. you see a lot of people that were in the Reagan yeah. sphere who you know they end up in the Bush 43 sphere, and they end up in the Trump sphere. Yeah. That's very interesting. And Nixon. Some of them has
1: landed up at Nixon. Famous back Some of this stuff
0: starts with Nixon. That's yeah.
1: right. <laughs> so that's part of the Cheryl Sandberg backstory. I would not intended to go into all these uh, side panels, but they were uh, interesting. Eric, you've got a smart little mind there. You're connecting all the dots here. Um, tomorrow night, I'm going to see if I could get the the actual like cliffhanger, shocker thing that I, we found out, and I just want to confirm it before I put it on the air, which will uh, make you go. Wow, we were snookered by Facebook. We really, what a con that thing was. Huh. So goodbye, Cheryl Sandberg. We won't miss you because we'd like our privacy back and we'd like our YouTube and everybody else who lands up uh, owning these companies to stop mindfucking us in future elections. And uh, maybe foreigners could stop using it to sort of invade our privacy and control our country. That would be a nice thing to do, please. I'd like it. Yeah, well, why not? That's the show for tonight, Eric. Uh, tell people about uh, what they can uh, need to know from you in terms of game theory, and also uh, anything well, else you want to share.
0: The only the thing they need to know is if you're in St. Louis and you're a very influential wealthy person, or you're in a an elected official, or in Law and Order, or whatever, uh, you need to dive for the FBI field office tonight because it'll probably be too late by tomorrow afternoon. I don't really care what you do, though. That's Ooh. it. That's my message. Oh. <laughs> So pleasant,
1: Um, and of course, we've got to remind you that we're very thankful to our patrons. Without you, we can't make this programming. Without you, all these stories we keep telling you about would never come to light. That's the only reason you're getting to hear about them is because you're funding our programming. So please go to patreon.com forward slash narrative and uh, keep subscribing and supporting us because it really makes the difference. On that note, we'll see you tomorrow night with Rachel Bitterkoffer on the After Show. Have a good night, everybody. Narrative is made possible by viewers like you. Join today and support truly independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative. That's patreon.com forward slash narrative.